I'm so weird. Like, I'm just, I'm just a weirdo. Like, I'm up there, you know, I'm saying, Pastor Jones, it's time to get up there, go, go. I'm like, ah. It has to be God. It's not me, it has to be God. Anyways, um, I hope everyone's doing well. It's been a while since I've been here. Uh, I'm sure you've all heard the rumors, and I'm here to say they are true. I am about to get my purple belt in jujitsu. Yes. Those are the rumors I'm talking about. Uh, I got a call last week, and it was the, my gym, and they're like, hey, uh, it looks like uh, the next testing, you'll be testing for your purple belt. And then, then they were like, afterwards, they're like, oh, we want to schedule you. And before they could schedule me, they were like, oh, I got to go real quick. I'll call you back. They never called me back. Uh, but I'm glad. Uh, they, they probably are going to call me back, and I'm probably going to be like, I'm not ready. I'm not ready because I don't want to, you know, I don't want to get my purple belt and I don't want to be the purple belt that gets beat by white belts. I don't want to be that guy because there's some white belts in there that are like young and like I've seen their Instagrams with their shirts off and they don't look, we look different with our shirts off <laughs> and uh, they give me the run for my money. Anyways, um, but in order for, see, Whenever you, there's a belt promotion in jiu-jitsu, they do testing. At least our gym does. We do testing. And so when I tested for my white belt, or from white belt to blue belt, they test you on fundamentals. Those aren't the techniques that are simple. They're called fundamental because they're the techniques that are needed. And from white belt to blue belt, there's a list of 80 techniques from different positions, because there's different positions. And you go in, and they'd be like, all right, get in this position, from this, posi from this position, and you don't know what technique they'll say, do this one, and then you do it. All right, now do this one. So they test you like two, they do each. And... Uh, and I found out that the test from blue belt to purple belt, it's the same exact techniques. I was like, wait, what? And then I found out the test from purple belt to brown belt, and it takes, usually if you train a lot, it takes 10 years to get your black belt. This is not like, you know, you're 10 years old and you've been doing a certain martial art for two years and you're a black belt. It's not like that. It, it takes like, 10 years at least if you're not like a prodigy and so the same techniques that you test for you test from purple belt to brown belt it's the same the fundamentals and the same exact techniques it's the same test from brown belt to get your black belt and once you get your black belt they say now you've just started <laughs> after 10 years it's the same exact techniques, the fundamentals. They want to make sure you know the fundamentals, but it's not done the same way. Because how many of you guys know that a white belt trying to get his blue belt will be judged differently than a brown belt trying to get his black belt? There's depth. There's depth. 
you, you have to know why you're doing it and the way that you're doing it and why you're moving. There, there are depths to this thing and there are levels. How many guys know I'm not talking about jujitsu? <laughs> Even though I am. There are depths to this thing that... takes time. There are, I'm speaking to you guys not just as a pastor, because I've been a pastor for a long time. I'm speaking to you guys as a middle-aged man. Not even in my early 40s. I think I'm considered late 40s now, I don't know. I know what you're thinking. How do you do? What is, what is the meaning of this? Botox. Just kidding. <laughs> Not too much, but just enough. Just kidding. I don't do that. I don't touch that stuff. It cleans. No, I'm just kidding. I don't even. Do you create prayer? There. I remember when I was a young Christian, like just like three or four years saved in Bible school, in my prayer closet, Lord, I just want to be like you. I just want to be like Christ. I want to be like you. And Lord, I know my doctrine. So I know there's a process of sanctification. And I know I'm going to have to go through some trials and tribulations to be go through the fire so that the impurities can come. I know these things. I preach them, Lord. And I know that I'm going to have to go through hard times to be like you. So God, I can't wait until three years when I'm totally like Christ. Not to say that I wasn't like Christ in my 20s, because I was, but not totally like Christ. I don't, even, I don't even think I'm totally like Christ now. Or maybe sometimes I begin to, and then my wife reminds me that I'm not. <laughs> if anybody knows you, for those of you who are, it's your, this morning, I was in a hurry getting ready, and I got this text from my wife. And she was like, this is what she said. I don't know if I should share this. She said, you left the mirror in the, out in the hallway, because I always check my fit before I go to church. You left the mirror out in the hallway, and you left the cereal on the counter. And then I was like, oh. I was driving, so I couldn't text back. So I was trying to figure out what I'm going to text back. <laughs> well, you do it all the time. Just... There's so many times where you left the cereal out and I don't say a thing. I just put it away. I could, I could have texted that. I could have texted, well, then put it away. I'm not there. You're there. I could have texted. These are just thoughts. <laughs> but you know what I decided to text? You know what I decided to do? I decided to text I'm sorry about the cereal and I'm sorry about the mirror. Not because I'm like Christ, because I'm waiting. I'm waiting for her to leave the cereal out because it's coming. She does it every day. <laughs> and then I'm going to text her, hey, you left the cereal out. <laughs> I cannot wait. <laughs> Just kidding. Am I? Just kidding. 
Not joking, to, to be totally honest, I am not just kidding. I'm not there yet. I'm not that holy. It's going to happen. I, can I just confess my weaknesses? When I'm weak, he's strong. This week, she's going to leave this. Anyway, all right, let's go on. But there's depths. There's depths. There's levels. There's, and sometimes we want to, and there's nothing wrong with learning new things. I, I, I'm always trying to learn more about God. But many times, God brings us back to the fundamentals because in the things that we already know in our head, there's depths and dimensions that he wants us to experience of him and bring us back to. How many guys know there's depths to the fundamentals? There's depths to systematic theology. There's depths to teachings on the trilogy, trinity. I said the trilogy, <laughs> part three of God. There's, there's depths. I, recently I heard that a preacher said this. You can only preach on the trinities for so long. You got to move on. Gosh, I can probably, because uh, I'm a better preacher. No, just kidding. I'm not. I'm not a better preacher than that. This guy is one of my favorite preachers. I'm not going to mention any names. I probably disagree with him in this. You can preach on the trinity for the rest of your life. There's depths. To who God is. This guy is a way better preacher than me, though. He's famous, so I'm not gonna mention his name. No, I don't do it. <laughs> so in the beginning of the year, this last year, God brought me back. He said, oh gosh, oh God spoke. I felt in my heart. Study the Sermon on the Mount. And I'm like, I know the Sermon on the Mount. I know the Beatitudes. But I felt study the Sermon on the Mount. And so I was like, okay, I'll study the Sermon on the Mount. I began to Google, because that's how you do it. Paul the Apostle had to pray. I had to Google. And I found some books, and I bought two books on the Sermon on the Mount that I have been reading very slowly from the beginning of the year. And the two books, I don't remember what they're called. I think one is called The Sermon on the Mount, and the other is called Teachings of the Sermon on the Mount, something like that. But they're by two separate authors, old guys. I believe one might be alive, and the other guy's definitely dead. And, and, and the only reason I'm telling you about guys about this books because if you guys want to do your own study in reading, these are great books that have just like blown my mind this, since this year. And those books are Sermon on the, just look up Sermon on the Mount and then look up these names. One guy's name is A.W. Pink. That's the dead guy. A.W. Pink. The other guy, the old guy, who I think is still alive, is, gosh, what was his name? I have some of his notes here. Let me find his name. Oh, I don't have his stuff in here. That's a better book, in my opinion. R.T. Kendall. His name is R.T. Kendall. These guys are smart guys. How do I know they're smart and theologians? Because they have abbreviated their first and middle names. If you ever write a book, abbreviate it. You're not going to buy a book from Kwok Nguyen, but you will buy a book from QV Nguyen. <laughs> yeah, 
You know what I'm saying? There's something about abbreviating your name. It makes you sound smarter. What is your, what is your middle name, Pastor Tim? Huh? Young you? Is that two middle names or is that one middle name? Oh, it's young. So T.Y. Chan. Boom. I can do that with any name. So these guys are very smart guys. I've been reading their books, and so that's what we're, I'm going to talk about that today. I don't know how. I have three Beatitudes that I want to go to. Honestly, we'll probably only be able to go through two or maybe two and a half. Or one and a half. We'll see. I don't know. We'll see. God is good. God is good. And so I want to talk about beginning to talk about the Beatitudes. Right? Usually when I say, we're going to read the Beatitudes, people just shut their minds because they think, well, I've heard all the Beatitudes. But there's depths, guys. Okay. And so let's, we're going to start. Gosh, that was the introduction. Help me, Jesus. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 1 through 3, this is the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. It says this, And seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain, and he was seated. And when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So this is the beginning of Jesus' most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. And not only is this the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, because we, if you, if the Sermon on the Mount is the next couple chapters. It's, 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 he, he gives all sorts of instructions on prayer, on fasting, uh, on, uh, on how to treat your enemy. He gives you all, all sorts of instructions. But he starts with the Beatitudes. And basically, the whole Sermon on the Mount are the Beatitudes. It's not like he reads the Beatitudes and then he goes on to his next topic. No, it's, it's the, the Beatitudes and then every other thing that he commands us to do is connected to the Beatitudes. And so the Beatitudes is like the root. It's the, the foundation. It's the fundamentals that you got to learn to get your next belt. But it just goes deeper and deeper as you progress. And so you never leave. It's not something that you leave. You never leave the Beatitudes. You never graduate into more spiritual knowledge. This is it. It just goes deeper. And it starts with this. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What is the kingdom of heaven? According to R.T. Kendall, I don't know his name. Ronald, Tommy, I don't know. According to R.T. Kendall, he says the definition of the kingdom of heaven, in my opinion, best suits Jesus' teaching in the Sermon on the Mount. It is this. The rule of the ungrieved spirit in the believer. To inherit the kingdom of heaven is therefore to enjoy the blessing and conscious indwelling of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that the kingdom of God is what? Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. 
So when the Bible says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, that means if you're poor in spirit, the, king, the, 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 the blessings of the Holy Spirit, of the fellowship with God, the deeper inner life, because the kingdom of heaven is within you, not without, it's in here, is available to you. It's, it's yours. That is why you are blessed. This spirit life, this, this other dimension of sp- living that is beyond money and food and pleasure. And, and there's nothing wrong with money, food, and pleasure, but that, that, that is beyond. This, this spirit life is available to you. It is the un, it's the rule of the ungrieved spirit inside of the believer. It's that anointing. It's that closeness with God. And it starts with being poor in spirit. What is poverty of spirit? Basically, uh, poverty of spirit is to realize that we are insufficient from oursel- with, by ourselves in our own strength, in our own talents, in our own giftings, in our own personalities, that we are in not just need of God, but desperate, deep need of God. Now, we live right now on the edge of time. It doesn't get more futuristic than right now. Now it's a little bit more futuristic. We live on the edge. We have never, ever been more technological. It's so technological, I can't even say it. (laughs) We live on the cutting edge of technology. This isn't even the cutting edge. This is because this is just an iPhone 11. (laughs) What are they up to now, 13? This is just a little, this is trash. Like this, you know, this is more than what they had when they sent the first people to the moon. This, this. We are the most technologically, I guess, advanced that we've ever been. We have all the philosophy that, and the psychology And the science, as we know it, has never been more. And most of it is at our fingertips. The power of the sun in the palm of my hand. Just kidding. It's never been more. But at the same time, we are just as depraved and evil and messed up as a society than we were thousands of years ago. But no, we've evolved. No, we've not evolved. We as humans just learned to hide our sins. Gosh, since the Thousands of years ago, we've been murdering and lying and killing and stealing. 
and pushing people down to bring us up. Now, yes, there's people that do good there, but as, a, as, as humanity as a whole, well, maybe, you know, a communist country like North Korea, but not America. Oh, really? Yes. I'm not, I'm not here to get into politics. I am not a, I vote, that's it. I vote and then I pray. My prayers are more powerful than I, my votes. But I do vote, but I pray more because you only can vote once every couple years. But you can pray every day. If you don't think people are still governments, even our American government is still lying and cheating and stealing and killing, then you've been deceived. Though we are so technologically advanced, we are not better. We just know more and we can do more, but we are not better people. We're not better humans because the problem is sin. And the only answer to sin is Jesus. And so we need God. That's a good place to say, yes, amen. Yeah. Thanks. That, that's for my own ego to know that I'm doing good. <laughs> I will never forget, and you all know this story. I'll never forget the moment that I realized I needed God. It was after I overdosed on drugs. I went to the hospital. I almost died. I got out of the hospital. That moment was a moment I sat at the foot of my bed and looked. I, I took an account of my life, my young life, and what I've accomplished and what I've done and where I was. And I realized I need God. I didn't even know if God was real, but it was that moment that I became poor in spirit. Everybody's poor in spirit. It's just we don't realize it. It was at that moment that I realized my deep and desperate need for God. I, at that moment, I was like, if there is a God, I need him. And so I prayed, if you're out there, I need you. Now I'm here. God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. That's Matthew chapter 5, verse 3 in the New Living Translation. The Passion Translation says this, What happiness comes to you when you feel your spiritual poverty, for yours is the realm of heaven's kingdom. Being poor in spirit is when we realize we have nothing and are nothing without God. It is when we are emptied of self, self-righteousness, self-confidence, and self-importance. Arthur W. Pink says this, blessed are the poor in spirit. What is poverty of spirit? It is the opposite of that haughty, self-assertive, and self-sufficient disposition. To be in poor in spirit is to realize that I have nothing, am nothing, and can do nothing, and have need of all things. 
Poverty of spirit is a consciousness of my emptiness. Whoa, Pastor Kwok, is that really biblical that I can do nothing? Well, John 15, 15 actually says this. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. I have a confession. I've preached around the world. I've preached so many times that sometimes preaching is just, I preach. I just get up and I preach. I've gone, through, I've gone through seasons. I'm in a different season now, but I've gone through it where I'm, all right, another sermon. Preaching three times a Sunday, like, okay, another, right? But one of my prayers as I sit there is I'm like, God, if you don't show up, I fail. As seasoned as I can be, if you don't show up, I, I can show up and make you laugh and entertain you and maybe even teach you something biblical. But if God is not in it, I have failed. I am not a good preacher. Although some people think I am. I've deceived them. It is the Lord. I do not, that's not like a, what do you call that? A humble brag. That is not a humble brag. That is me confessing that I need God. Because if I don't confess that I need God, then I'm going to fail up here. Being poor in spirit is synonymous with being humble. So we are, gosh, we are in need of God to do good and to be good. And the person that realizes this, man, they, you've got something there. The person who has the revelation of this, watch out. Good things are coming because the Bible says you are blessed. You guys uh, remember the first Avenger movie? The first one? The one where Captain America had that lame costume? <laughs> yeah. Right? Remember that one? There is this scene in that movie that I always thought was really cool. It's, a, it's in the middle of battle, and they're about to they kind of regroup and about to battle again, and uh, the Hulk arrives, but it, he wasn't the Hulk. He was, uh, what's his name before? Bruce Banner. Bruce Banner arrives, and Captain America, I think, says to him, you better get angry. Get angry now. You know, Hulk out, get angry. And Bruce Banner says this. He goes, you want to know my secret? Something like this. I don't know the exact words. You know my secret? I'm always angry. Remember that? And he turns around and just, <laughs> Do you guys remember that part? Does anyone not remember that part? Well, now you'll always remember it. He said, I'm always angry. Can I, let me, you don't graduate from being poor in spirit. It's not like you're poor in spirit 
and then all of a sudden, all right, I've got the poor in spirit. Now I leave that and go on to what's the next. You don't graduate. Here's the thing about being poor in spirit. Here's, you want to know my secret? I'm always poor in spirit, right? You have to pray to the Lord, God, let me never forget that I need you. Let me never, when I'm doing good, when I'm God, when, I, when I'm successful, whatever success looks like, when I'm doing good, when I'm rich and tall and handsome, which I'll never be tall, and I'm only slightly handsome. I only need to be handsome to one person. That's my wife. I don't care if anyone, I don't care if everyone else thinks I'm ugly as long as I'm handsome to my wife. Anyways. My wife texted me uh, the other day. She, I, 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 had a pic, I took a picture, I put it on the Instagram. She's like, ooh, you're looking good. How do you do it? And then I texted her back. I count, I've been counting calories. Um, that, that's how. It's, uh, let me never forget my need of you. That way, songs of the cross will always be beautiful to me. That's, that's why I will always be moved when I think of the death of Jesus Christ and the resurrection. Why? Because I know all these years later as a pastor, spiritual leader, I do that because what? And I need God. I feel like the longer I live, there's certain scriptures that I understand more. When I am weak, he is strong. That means that God will always be strong in my life because I the, the, am always weak. I will always leave the cereal out and the mirror in the hallway. That's what I'll text my wife. No, I'm just kidding. I still need him. After all these years, I'm going to stay angry. Anyways, um, so we need God. We need God. Any of you guys were at the last Good Friday service? Was anyone there? I was there. Because I had to be there. They told me, hey, can you show up? We need you to do stuff. Yeah, it's your job. Be there. Because honestly, I probably would not have been there. Can I just be honest? I probably would have been like hanging out with my kids. Wear a black suit, purple tie. I said, I have my purple tie from, that I only wear once a year on Good Friday. Because you guys tell me to wear a purple tie. I bought that tie years ago. That's the same tie I wear with my same black suit. I wear the black suit all the time, purple tie. Good Friday only, when I'm at River of Life. So I showed up with my black suit and my purple tie. They asked me to pray. And then, you know, it's Chinese. And I'm not Chinese. I don't understand Chinese. I don't know Chinese. Apparently, I'm half Chinese because of the DNA test, but I don't feel like it. <laughs> there was a... Uh, 
there's one part, this little Chinese man comes on stage and he begins to, so to sing a song. That's not my style. It's not my style. And he begins to sing the song in his style, which is totally not my style. And I'm like, oh, man. I'm just being honest. But then all of a sudden I started listening to him, and he had so much passion. Who remembers the little Chinese? I don't even know the name. He had so much passion. You guys probably know him. I don't know him. And the words of the song were so powerful and about the death of Christ and how he needs Christ. And I'm sitting there, and Pastor Tony's like right by me. And I'm like, oh my gosh, don't cry. <laughs> Pastor Tony, right there, he's going to see you. And so I quietly begin to weep. Just tears trail. Like, okay, don't make noise. So I just let the tears stream. <laughs> without the noises. I don't ever do that. You just let this tear stream without the noises. Because it was so powerful. And my prejudgments, I know he's Chinese. He's going to sing this song, Chinese style, an English song, Chinese style. Like Panda Express, right? <laughs> Chinese style, but it's not Chinese food, but it's delicious. <laughs> my favorite. This guy straight Panda expressed it, and I was like, bam, yeah! Anyway, anyways, I cried, I cried. Is that racist? I don't know. I'm half Chinese, so it's okay. <laughs> I don't care. I don't care if they cancel me. You can't cancel me. Because I'm poor in spirit. Anyways, um, which brings us to the next one. We're going to, I doubt I'll be able to go to the, but I want to touch this one because this is a great one. Where am I in my notes? Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. This one is read a lot at funerals, which is it's true. God comforts us. The Bible says, blessed are those who mourn, and these beatitudes, it's not, they're not one-offs. Do you know what I'm saying? They're not one-offs. They're connected. I've actually been teaching this for months at another church. I used to hate on expository preaching because a lot of expository preachers are mean. But I've expository preached this year like no other. I'm sorry. I've been going down the whole Matthew chapter 5, just Blessed are those who mourn. They're connected, meaning one produces and leads to the next. You cannot have one with the one before. They're not separate topics. This is not topical. This is, they belong together. They're, one is a ladder rung that leads to the next ladder rung. So once you realize your need for God, the next thing you're going to do is you're going to begin to mourn. And this mourning isn't a mourning because somebody died or you lost your job or your girlfriend or boyfriend 
broke up with you or you were divorced or something terrible. This is not that. Yes, in those situations, the Lord is the Lord of all comfort and he shall comfort you. But this is a different morning which is connected to being poor in spirit. Is because when you become honest with yourself and you honestly can say, I need God in my life, you begin to see you for who you really are. This morning springs from a sense of sin, from a tender conscience, and from a broken heart. Such mourning always goes side by side with conscious poverty of spirit. That word mourn in the Greek is the word pentheo, meaning grief or sorrow of heart that is usually expressed by tears. So when it says blessed are those who mourn, and that word blessed means, it literally means like congratulations or happy are you. So literally, it says happy are you when you're sad. It's, you're happy to be sad. Not all sadness. This, this sadness is a soul sorrow over your own sins. That's what it is. It's a soul sorrow over your own iniquities, over your, the things that you did that were bad. It's a soul sorrow of when you messed up. It's you think about it and you are sorrowful that you did certain things. The temptation as a pastor is to get people to get rid of their sorrows right away. My temptation is I want to make you happy. I want to make you laugh. I want you to like me because then maybe I'll get that raise at the end of the year. I won't get any bad report. Pastor Kwok, I didn't like what he said about that. But I do want you to be sorrowful. when you sin. Because if you're not sorrowful when you sin, it means that you have a hardened heart. That's what it means. That you can just boom, whatevs. In 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 8 through 11, Paul writes a letter to the Corinthians because they did something bad. He wrote them a severe letter, a severe letter that rebuked them. He said, stop it. And then afterwards, he writes this letter, which is not as severe. And I'm a lot like Paul. He writes severe letters, but he's very nice in person. I'm like that. I'm nice in person, but I preach like I... I 
2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 8 says this, For even, this is what he says, For even if I made you grieve with my letter, I do not regret it. Though I did regret it, for I see that the letter grieved you, though only for a while. As it is, I rejoice not because you were grieved, but because you were grieved into repenting. For you felt a godly grief. What is that? I call it Charlie Brown. It's good grief. For those of you who know, I'm a dad. Sorry. Dad jokes. This is not a place to be joking, Pastor Kroc. Okay. For you felt a godly grief so that you suffered no loss through us. For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret. Whereas worldly grief produces death. For see what earnestness this godly grief has produced in you, but also what eagerness to clear yourselves, what indignation, what fear, what longing, what zeal, what punishment. At every point you have proved yourself innocent in the matter. Godly grief or godly sorrow produces transformation. And so sometimes God will allow us to sit. Yes, the God of joy. He allows us to sit with our godly sorrow over our sins. It's not a con condemnation where he's judging us or he's, he, he, is, he is punishing us. But he lets us, and it is a good place, but I feel that we have preached a message sometimes that we, I just, God will forgive you. No, he, you know, he's, it's okay. Be happy. We've preached a message that bears no fruit because we do not allow for the grief of the Spirit. For the Bible says, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. can't say that because that's condemning. You can't say that because that's going to trigger somebody. Some people need to... Okay, okay, stop, 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 stop. But if I say it, it well, yeah, thank you, Holy Spirit. God helps me to be diplomatic sometimes. Sometimes when you say something, you do trigger Repentance. You begin to say something, they're going to be upset because you know how they vote. And I'm not, I'm not getting political. I, I preach the Bible. I'm a preacher of the Bible. I don't preach Republican or Democrat. I rebuke both. Amen? Amen. And then sometimes I'm like, Yay. Good job. Thanks, Obama. And then sometimes I'm like, mm-mm. Well, anyways, anyways. Sorry. 
Pastor Kwok, if you say that, it'll divide people. Sometimes there needs to be a division. If you say that, people will leave. Well, we still love them. Remember Jesus, uh, that dude that ran to Jesus, knelt at his feet. What must I do to be saved? Remember that guy? Oh, be careful, Jesus. Play it safe. Because if you don't play it safe, he might leave. If you don't play it safe, if you don't, he might not. Just let him stay around, and if he stays around, then maybe, you know, he'll get touched by God in the service. And don't conf- If he stays around, maybe, you know, he'll fall in. And yeah, if we But the Bible says that Jesus loved him, he looked at him, and he loved him. And he said this, one thing you lack. Sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and follow me. And the Bible says that he was, he, he was sorrowful, and he left because he had much riches and he trusted in his riches. Jesus made him sad. And not only did Jesus make make him sad, he made him leave. I know that we count heads every Sunday, I know. I'm so used to head counting that whenever I'm in a church, I stand, sometimes I stand at the back. I was at this retreat recently and just by instinct, I'm like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. But I've said it before and I'll say it again. My job is not to fill the, my job is not to get more people in church. My job is to get more people in heaven. Now, if that means getting more people in church, I'm all for it because that means more tithe and I get paid more. Just kidding. <laughs> I don't get paid according to the tithe. If you guys tithe a million dollars, I don't get a bonus. I should, but I don't. <laughs> I'm kidding, guys. Pastor Kwok is kidding. Don't, don't go on yelping like, well, this is what the pastor said from the book. <laughs> yes, I did say it, but I, I don't mean it. But I meant everything else. I am going to text my wife. Just kidding. Okay, Matthew 26 74 through 75. Remember when Peter told, or Jesus told Peter, you're going to die me three times when the rooster crows? How cool is that? When the rooster crows. Like, what? That's so, like, mystical and mysterious. When the rooster crows, you would have denied me three times. And then we look at Matthew chapter 24, verse 74 through 75. It says, then he began to curse and swear. Not only did Peter deny Jesus, Peter said the F word and denied Jesus. Oh, I don't know what the word, ancient Hebrew, Greek, Aramaic, I don't know what he spoke, Aramaic. He began to curse and swear, saying, I do not know the man. Immediately a rooster crowed. And Peter remembered the words of Jesus that said to him, before the rooster crows, you would deny me three times. And the Bible says, so he went out and wept bitterly. And you know what? Jesus let him cry. He went out and 
he wept bitterly. The Bible says, blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. Days later, after Christ has rose from the dead, Jesus met with Peter as the resurrected Christ. And three times, because Peter denied Christ three times, Jesus comforted Peter by the, with the words, feed my sheep. Because though you sinned and messed up and denied me, I will not deny you because I have called you. And yes, I let you cry, but I let you cry so that you can be ready for when I come back. Well, those other words that are not in the Bible, I added that in this one. When Peter, I let you cry, I added Pastor Crocs. I should write my own translation. The QV translation. The Bible says this, Psalm 126, verse 5 through 6. It says, those who plant in tears will harvest with shouts of joy. They weep as they go to plant their seed, but they sing as they return with the harvest. And A.W. Pink said this in his book. It says, the comfort of heaven will more than compensate for all the mourning of earth. I like that one. The comfort of heaven will more than compensate for all the mourning of earth. Blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. So I've been saved, I got saved in 1993. I don't know, I can't do the math. I've been saved for a long time and to this day I realize my need for God. And to this day, I do not just ask God for forgiveness and sweep my sins under the rug. I mourn and I weep when I think of my sin. Not in a weird, unhealthy, shameful, that's not what I'm talking about. There's a sadness. There's like, oh man, I messed up. And there should be. But then I rejoice and I'm comforted in the forgiveness of Christ. And that the tears that I've sowed, I will reap with fruit and with joy. And it hasn't always been like that. There was a time when maybe I was in my early 30s, my late 20s, where I thought, hey, I'm pretty good. I get invited to preach at all these places. My face is on the flyer. Remember when they did flyers? Do they even do that anymore? Now they just put stuff online. I'm good. The danger is you start off knowing your need for God and mourning over your sins and you realize who you are 
and that you need God, and everything that you do is only through God and by God, and so God gets the glory. The danger is one day you look up and you're like, oh, I'm pretty good. God needs me. Whoa. He needs my giftings. He needs my personality. He needs me. Ooh, watch out. Because if you get to that point, God will bring you back to a place where you look around and go, no, 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 I need God. Okay, God, I get it. I've been there. I'm pretty good, God. You go from I need God to God needs me. And you know what God really needs? He needs someone who understands their need of him. That's what he needs. He doesn't need your personality or your looks, your gift, your money. He doesn't need that. He needs someone who understands their need of him. And if you ever think, you know, there's a funny, there's a scripture in the Bible where Jesus said he needed something. Remember, uh, right, right before Palm Sunday, he told his disciples, hey, go get that donkey. There's going to be a donkey tied up. And when the owner asks, what are you doing with this donkey? Tell the owner, the Lord has need of it. Jesus needed a donkey. So if you ever get to the point where you think Jesus has need of you, you are a jackass. I'm not cussing. I'm talking about the donkey. And I'm also talking about uh, Johnny Knoxville. Just kidding. Um, what? I'm not. I mean, the Bible says if we don't praise him, the rocks are going to cry out. You guys know that one? I wonder what those, you know, let, let's say we stop praising him. Let's say everyone stop. What do these rocks sound like? Right? God is giving because because here's the thing God is God is so worthy of praise He must be praised, and if we don't, then the then then, then His worthiness it just causes just things to praise Him that just yeah the rocks like He's so need and needed like He's just so worthy of praise He must be praised. Just praise will just come from rocks. I don't know that's uh, that's. Uh, do you know what I'm saying? It sounds ridiculous, and then we and you guys remember ain't gonna let no rock out praise me. Remember that song? No, is that just ain't gonna let no rocks out praise me? You know how people sing like that? Jesus, anyways, sorry, Lord Jesus. I'm just kidding. <laughs> all right, uh, and then all right, mourn, and I'm gonna end here. Worship team, please come up so that I have to end. Listen, guys. I pray that the Holy... This, I pray... My preaching is only so... It, it only gets... It's, I pray that God would do such a work in you that the Holy Spirit would just do what I cannot do and cause you to live in this for the rest of your life, to understand how much you need him, so that when times of complication or when times where you don't understand why your life is the way your life is, or you don't understand the things that are happening because your theology just says, can only help you so much because God is so much bigger than our theology. 
Our theology is what God has chosen to reveal to us, but our theology cannot hold, can never hold the God's pinky nail clippings. Cannot. And so I pray that you'd get this revelation so when you're going through hard times, instead of being like, oh, my theology doesn't explain this, God has failed me because my life is so hard and I'm so hurt. So I'm leaving God. I don't believe. I'm leaving. But when you realize your need of God, the Bible says, trust the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Instead, when you go through the times when your theology is not giving you the answer, when everything that's happening is causing confusion, and when you are hurt by people that should have helped, Instead of saying, well, forget the church, forget Jesus, your need of God would cause you to cling ever so stronger to him. Like, I don't know anything that's going on, so I'm going to hold on tighter. Jesus, I need you. Amen? Father, I thank you for everyone in here. Lord, I just pray that you would bless them. God, I pray, I thank you that there are depths. And Lord, your word says that deep cries unto deep. And I pray that the depth of God would begin to pull out of them depth of hunger. And I pray, Father God, that you would begin to help us to realize how much we need you, that we would never let go, that we would go from glory to glory to glory from white belt to blue belt to purple belt to brown belt to black belt, that we would go from depth to depth of holiness and hunger. Ah, well, we have tried to replace you and your goodness with weird psychology and weird quote, unquote, social justice issues. I'm not talking about good ones because there are good ones. I'm talking about weird ones. <laughs> we try to replace you with something else. I pray that you turn us back and let us realize how much we need more of you until the, our dying day and for all eternity. We will know our need of the Lord. And I thank you, Lord, that you are a good God. I bless, I bless them. I speak a blessing over you. I speak a blessing over you. I declare that you are blessed in this place. In the name of Jesus, amen.